Let's face it, hiring help is not easy these days. Let Zentegra Staffing help you find the right person for the right job. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash Zentegra Staffing to find out more and let us staff your people needs. Welcome to another Citrix Session with your host, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton, your source for all things Citrix. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to episode 24, 24 of the Citrix Session podcast. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I have with me uh, Bill Sutton, of course, uh, Director of Services. How's it going, Bill? Going well, Andy. Staying busy, I, I am sure. Uh, we oh, yeah. also have with us uh, the CTO of Zintegra, Pete Downing. Hey, Pete, how's it going? Hey, Andy, what's going on, man? Uh, it, uh, it's fun times for sure. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. And with us, we have a, an old friend of Zintegra's, Harsh Gupta. Um, Pete was running a class last week. This uh, was part of something I talked about a couple weeks ago with some folks, uh, this idea that Citrix is changing the way they integrate with public clouds for the uh, traditional product, what a lot of people would like to call on-prem. And uh, Harsh is the, uh, the um, um, Harsh, your title again? Okay, I'm a, I'm I'm a director of product management at Citrix. I manage the Citrix virtual apps and desktops business. Yeah, thanks, Harsh. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. We just talked about it, but uh, Harsh has been in the product management side of Citrix. What for? How, how many years now? A little over eight years now. A little over years. And I remember uh, when Citrix first uh, started to come to market with the uh, as a service Citrix Cloud offering. You and I uh, got a chance to kick the tires early and uh, had some good conversations. Man, that must have been five plus years now. That's right. And thanks for being on this journey with us. Appreciate your help. Yeah. And I like to highlight real quick. I still get questions from Citrix salespeople all the time asking if we sell Citrix cloud. And if we're not the number one selling Citrix cloud partner in the world, we're somewhere up there. So we, we definitely do believe in what Citrix is doing as a service um, with or without little nuances here or there. It's certainly the direction people should be going. Uh, I will highlight real quickly after the last week or so. Uh, okay, so I'll tell a story real quick. So uh, I went with my son to uh, spin up some machines in Azure to do this iGel uh, project that he and I are doing together, and, and they were all grayed out. So I picked up the phone and called Pete and said, Pete, I think Azure's down. And he said, no, you're crazy, whatever. And then the next day or two, Pete had to do a uh, – a class, and he said, "I think Azure is. I think they've they don't allow you to spin up net new workloads, uh, which only highlights more and more the as a service model and having a hybrid cloud approach to that, which you know Citrix plays really well with." Yep, that's right, and that's why we we're seeing a big uptake of uh, the cloud services managing on-prem as well as well as public cloud workloads. We have a lot of hybrid deployments out there. Yeah. And Andy, just a fun fact too, uh, Harsh and I actually used to work together on the same team. So Harsh and I go way back and, and uh, I don't think people believe me when I say that sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of truth to the fact that you can't throw a rock without hitting a Citrix and a Zintegra person. We're, we're very, yeah. uh, very much uh, a lot of history together. 
So guys, this is, uh, this is a little unique because normally we do this on blogs. And uh, in this case, we're doing it on a uh, CTX article that was released, a support document from Citrix. This is CTX 270373. And the title of this one is Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops uh, Deprecated Deprecation of Public Cloud Support from On-Premises. Uh, current releases, which is a, a misnomer a little bit in of itself because a lot of people had plans to to lift and shift their on-premises, what I like to call traditional uh, Citrix licenses, into the cloud. And I think that's really where some of the hang-up here. So, um, Harsh, you want to just kind of uh, highlight here this first paragraph, what you guys are announcing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, in effect, what that first article, or first part of that article means is we are going to end support of management of public cloud workloads with our on-prem product effective current release 2003 that's coming out. So if a customer is trying to manage a public cloud <coughs> workload that could be Azure AWS GCP using CR 2003 or a future version, that will not be a supported configuration. And, and so harsh, what that means, right, is uh, if they're trying to integrate it with the hosting um, connections within the studio, uh, after the current release and all of its uh, patches and long-term service updates, cumulative updates, uh, that will not be supported, right? That is correct. Okay. Hey, hey Bill, your uh, your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm actually not that terribly surprised, but I think maybe it, uh, one thing we might want to make clear to, to users or to customers is um, this is, this is harsh, this is correct. Is this, is this, uh, option in the hosting connection wizard going to be gone in 2003 or 2003 is the last place it appears. Right. So in terms of, we call it technical enforcement. So 2003, it is, we have put in no technical enforcement post 2003. I mean, in 20, whatever the next release comes out, right. It will be removed, but it will just not be the hosting connections. We want to work through our customers across their deployments. So it'll start from the meta installer. So the meta installer would detect if they have a hosting connection already, they would give the customer the option to abort their installation. Number two, yes, hosting connections would not appear for any of the public clouds. And number three is if a VDA is running on a public cloud, it tries to connect to an on-prem DDC or that which for us means an on-prem product, that VDA will not get registered. So these are the three areas we're planning to make the change in the following, in the subsequent release to 2003. So Harsh, how will you know if it's an on-prem? Does that mean an on-prem that's in their cloud, their tenant? No, I mean, Andy, basically what we're checking for, if uh, the VDA is registering, registering with a cloud connector, if it is registering with a cloud connector, it'll be registered. If not, it'll not be registered. Okay. So this also means that that uh, if we take if we do a lift and shift, not a shift, but if, if a customer decides to build controllers, storefront servers, and everything in a public cloud, then this will stop. This will not uh, technically operate properly post twenty oh three. That is, I would say it's not even supported in 2003, but let okay. me give you the reason why we even did this, because this lift and shift while customers have done it, we've run into a lot of issues with quite a few customers. It's surely because within the public cloud, the pace of innovation uh, that these public clouds have, uh, think about new instance sizes, new pass services, all the other things that come about, they actually end up breaking their existing deployments. While we definitely wanted to support these customers, but what we have seen is, as and when we provide patches or a 
or a fix, they again have to go through an upgrade cycle. So this constant business of upgrade comes into the mix. That's why we wanted to pull back. And uh, for us, the right answer is to provide this value through a cloud service because we can uh, patch it, upgrade it, and customers get this value without even having to lift a finger. Um, so in order to uh, solve for customers, we also had to make a decision internally where we, we were like, hey, you want to go to public cloud, let's give you the best option. The best option is go with the CVAD service in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Right. And with CVAD service, um, we basically take away all the hindrances around different types of deployments, complications, and customers are running smoothly. We've seen this over the last couple of years where customers managing with CVAD service have seen no problems, while our on-prem product customers have struggled when managing public cloud workloads. And I'll take a minute, if you guys don't mind, to, uh, to, to tell you how we did it and when we did it. Um, We've been thinking about this for a while, but we decided that the right time to announce it would be after the 1912 LTSR. Because this gives customers five years to actually go on with their cloud deployments and figure out a time window when they could move to the CVAT service. So it's not like we've got, we've put, have, we have customers hanging. It just, um, it's, it's a statement we've made so that customers can think about their gra- gradual migration to the cloud and for the best outcome for them. I hope this makes sense. No, it does. I'll, I'll let Pete jump in here. I'm sure he's got some comments or questions. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, well, just to clarify though, Harsh, so if you're on the 1912 LTSR, which is about a, what, a five-year window, um, they can still run 1912 on-premise but and, and still use public cloud, and, and that's where the line is drawn. Is that a fair statement? That's right, Pete. So they could deploy all of it. Like the, I think you were referring to somebody which we call as lift and shift. They could do that, or they could be deploying it, deploying the controllers on-prem and extending it to a public cloud workloads. Yes, all that is supported with 19.12, and the cumulative uh, updates coming for 19.12 will support it. So guys, just to kind of jump in here, I. You know, I get it. I, I get. I get. This is something that Citrix needs to do. It, it it does fit the narrative of trying to get people to move to a service. I, I have to say that you know, as a consultant, my my one of my favorite things about Citrix has always been, hey, don't worry about it. You don't have to do this or that. It's going to be very flexible. I think in this situation, harsh, what you're saying is, it's for the customer's own good, even if they don't see it in the short term. Uh, it's for their own good to move to as a service, so that you guys can properly provide them with the right resources and support them, right? Yeah, absolutely, Andy. And um, I would reiterate this. We've had a lot of customers run into issues when public clouds have brought in um, new instances or any new innovation. So we want to have our customers be immune to that problem. So this question might be a little bit outside your wheelhouse, but but you may know something about it or may just defer it. Um, is there any way that Citrix is going to help incentivize financially customers that are that have been buying down the path of on-prem for all these years with the idea they were going to the cloud but not as a service? Do you know if Citrix plans to maybe enable that uh, through some type of some type of uh, discount to be able to help customers absorb this better? Uh, um. Andy, uh, I don't know if there are new financial programs introduced, but we have already uh, we already have the hybrid right or that we typically call transition and trade-up motion available to these customers, where um, a little over 
what they pay for the software maintenance gives them the right to use the on-prem product and the cloud uh, for a certain duration. So they could sign for multi-year terms and that's the period that they have uh, where they can manage the workloads through the on-prem product or the cloud service. Uh, and that's where if you think they could be using 1912 for these workloads and then uh, because they have uh, rights to use the cloud service, they could um, gradually start to ma managing these workloads using CVAT service. Yeah, and I, I get it. I guess that would be my one ask of Citrix that they consider ways to truly identify customers that got caught in this quandary and have to make that move, but maybe that's a topic for a different day. Um, so moving on to the next topic here, it says, what should customers do as a result of this announcement? You want to address that a little bit? I would say this basically means is if you um, if you're not already ready for the CVAT service, I, I kind of made this point earlier. If you're not ready for the CVAT service, use 1912 LTSR, but always keep an eye or have a plan of record at some point in the near future to go to the CVAT service. And if there are very specific reasons why you cannot adopt CVAT service, let us know. And then we can use that as feedback and um, think forward for our customers. Yeah. Yeah. I guess some of the major, some of the normal uh, considerations of, Hey, I can't do cloud. Well, it wouldn't matter <laughs> if you can't do cloud, then obviously you're not going to the cloud for your hosting platform. Right. All right. Um, the next section here says, uh, how, how is this change enforced in CVAD Citrix virtual app and desktop two zero zero three, which means uh, year 20, 2020 uh, month of uh, March Oh three. Uh, that's the release that, as you pointed out a while ago, it's, I guess it's still in there. It's just not supported. Um, how will this be enforced? I guess, I guess like you're pointing out here, just, just not enforced, right? Or just not supported. Yeah, it is not supported in 2003. We will have technical enforcement in the subsequent release in Q2. Okay. And then I guess that rolls into the next topic of uh, when will Citrix technically enforce this change? And that is uh, in the next release, which you would expect to be, what, 2006? What, what's the next release after that? Or can you even tell us at this point? I mean, uh, as, as you were saying earlier, 03 defines the month. So we don't, we haven't uh, finalized the month yet. The co we are still final, uh, finishing the final features that we are going to put in. As mm -hmm. in it, when we decide to put it into SI, that's when we'll come up with them. Um, the release number, but it is a release after 2003. Okay. And then I think you've already addressed this next section, but it talks about controllers running in public cloud, which would be uh, not cloud connectors, but uh, delivery controllers uh, and whether or not those will allow VDAs running on a public cloud to register. And that the, the answer is at some point that will be enforced and that won't work anymore. That's right. 20, the following release will not let you register. And then to get uh, deeper technical on that topic, this last section here where it talks about, can you run a 2003 current release VDA with a 2012 LTSR controller? I think you hit that, but can you explain that one more time? Uh, could you repeat that? Sorry. <laughs> it says, can you run a 2000, uh, I keep wanting to say 2003, a 2003 uh, current release VDA, a current VDA, so a 2003 VDA with a 2012 controller and get around the, uh, get around this. No, that will not be a supported configuration because then you're breaking the 1912 LTSR support platform. So, so technically it might work, but it wouldn't be supported? Correct. That's right. Okay. okay. Well, hey, let me open this back up to uh, Bill again and see if he had any more topics or any more uh, comments or questions now that we've gotten to this point in the uh, no, I don't really. I, I'm curious, Harsh, have you gotten any feedback uh, from customers or other partners uh, with regard to this change as yet other than this? 
I mean, I have. I have. I mean, quite a few. There's been an initial surge of queries, sure. um, but a lot of them have been about clarification, uh, yeah. right? And the moment they understand 1912 has given them timeline. And a lot of them, uh, I'll tell you, I've seen changes in reaction. The initial knee-jerk reaction was, what have you done? But then a week later, they come around like, hey, you guys were right. That is the right approach. We just didn't uh, follow through on how we should go forward with it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think the reality of that is if you really want and need the benefits of a service, you have to realize that services adapt quickly and change, and that status quo and service don't necessarily equal the same thing. Yeah, I got a, I got a question, Harsh. Um, so, well, I got two, but I'll ask the one that I know might help with this conversation is, I know, is there going to be a migration tool that will help customers go from on-premise to, to the uh, CVAD service. Um, and, you know, if, if there is, is there any timeline that you can or cannot give right now? Uh, you were stealing my thunder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Uh, yes, we are working on a migration tool. And I think we are getting closer to a private tech preview. Um, and again, Pete, I don't know if you've shared this before. We don't have a GA date anymore. What we do is we do a private tech preview, have basic matrix, and then we do a public tech preview. And based on how well the, the tool or the service is doing, we kind of declare GA if we feel it's, it's the time is right. Uh, so I would say private tech preview is coming very shortly. Let me know if you want to, if you guys want access to it. And uh, the tech preview will take its course. Um, it's, it's a pretty straightforward, forward, simple true tool. We call it configuration as code. Uh, so you can basically migrate the entire uh, configuration or export the entire migration from your on-prem product to a YAML file and then selectively import configuration from there into the cloud service. Cool. Um, and then my other question is, uh, so I think I, I understand this and I, I support it. Um, and so I guess, one of the issues I'm hearing is is around user experience. So can you comment on kind of pop expansion around, you know, the gateway service? Uh, Cause that's typically where I see the biggest, uh, I'll call it a discrepancy in what, you know, consulting services pitches versus what we'll pitch. And, you know, we're obviously for the, the, the future and future proofing our customers. So can you comment on the reliability of user services from a pop point of view, especially around the gateway service, because I think there is a misconception out there that the user experience isn't all that great. And I would argue that it is pretty good. And there are ways to architect Citrus Cloud to work very nicely with your on-prem NetScaler, but also there's some future stuff happening that's going to help mitigate this as well. So, so you guys, real, real quick on this, this is probably, so let's kind of wrap up the other one, right? So the idea that uh, Citrix is moving to the cloud support for just the service only, I think we've, we've covered that and, and we can certainly jump on another podcast later. Um, Harsh, any additional comments on that one specific you want to go into before we go into what Pete brought up, which is a really good topic, by the way? Um, I think we hit all the major points, right? What did we do? Why did we do it? Uh, what, what options did we leave for our customers? Um, and then finally, when is the technical enforcement? So I think, yeah, we are well covered there. Okay. And, and then uh, as we go into other topics, and I do want to highlight, Harsh, we'd love to have you on maybe once a month to talk, talk through the latest in uh, Citrix uh, search virtual app and desktop service. I think what, what Pete's alluding to is the fact that, uh, you know, we, we try to lead with service where it makes sense, and that includes the gateway 
either entitlement or gateway as a service additional pieces where you have all these pops, pop, pops across the country, uh, the world even. Uh, and then we're running into situations where, you know, maybe on the Citrix uh, sales side and consulting side, they're still being told to, to buy net scalers and implement those in their data center, which, you know, kind of defeats some of the purpose of having the service, right? You're, you're tying to a service where you can, but then in some cases not using the service. I think what Pete's pointing out is he's seeing pretty good performance when you're using the gateway entitlement or the gateway as a service piece. Uh, can you touch on the, the gateway world as a service? Yeah, I mean... Uh... I think we've made this clear, and Andy, I, I can't agree more to what you just said. We want to make sure that our customers get the value of Citrix through a through a PaaS offering, right? It, it, there should not be the need to deploy uh, any of the components on-prem. Definitely a vision, yes. Due to some moving parts, we haven't been able to get there. Um, and get, well, we aren't there yet, but we're definitely moving towards that path. Uh, and Pete, the point you were making about user experience, you're you're actually very right. But then at some places we genuinely felt that not having uh, pops in certain locations is what is causing uh, a poor user performance. And I don't know if you guys have seen, we have just introduced three new pops, uh, one in Canada right now as well. So we are going to be evolving our uh, pop expansion, especially for the gateway service. Um, and that's that's exactly for the point here you guys are making is an end user experience because that's the most critical piece in the puzzle for us. Yeah, end user experience and um, efficiencies all at the same time. That's the perfect yeah. part of the service conversation. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the reason why I asked this is because it, it you know, yes, it kind of does play into this whole conversation because a lot of people is the why aren't they considering cloud and and I think it plays into your the whole overall theme here, which is hey, how do we get them to start leveraging the service, but then also ease the pain of hey, just because we're not going to support public cloud with on premise, no big deal, right? Yep, absolutely. So, Harsh, maybe we uh, have you back on. Uh, maybe you can point us to a good blog that goes over what you guys are doing around the gateway services and the pops you guys are opening up. That's probably another topic for another great uh, podcast on a different day. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll look for that and invite you to one. Cool. Okay. All right, gentlemen. Well, hopefully this has uh, been helpful for people to kind of clear up what Citrix is doing here. I think there's some pros and cons, but certainly, um, you know, from Harsh's perspective, and, and I agree. Uh, Citrix is doing this for the good of, of the community and, and the product and end users and happy end users. Um, it's definitely going to drive some more services uh, conversations. It's going to drive some uh, as a service conversation. Uh, let's see what, uh, what, what Citrix can help us do as far as making that transition on the licensing side uh, a little more palatable. Uh, but that's, uh, I guess, a topic for another day as well. Harsh, I appreciate you joining. No problem. Happy to be here. See you guys. Uh, Pete, Bill, any parting comments? None for me. No, I'm good. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, I think Zentegra as a partner, we, we love Citrus Cloud and we always lead with it. So I'm excited to continue that, that path forward. Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely do and, and, and help people understand where it makes sense, even when there's some shortcomings that uh, may not make perfect sense. But in the long run, it's definitely the way to go. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Citrix Session with your hosts, Andy Whiteside and Bill Sutton. A special thanks to our guests, podcast produced by Pete Downing. Head over to Zentegra.com forward slash podcast to listen to all podcasts in this series.